Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot. Hey, whoever's got that, turn that off. Just turn it off. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clapback Sports. I'm your host, the Mage. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tino. What's up, Tino? Hey, Mage. How, um, Tino, how was your birthday, Tino? How about that? My birthday was pretty Wish good. Wish you a happy birthday. So now we gotta we gotta find out what you did. How exciting was it? It was very exciting. Um, I went to the Mets game and they lost per use, but that's why you don't go to the Mets game on your birthday, which I learned years ago. Because, you know, you just gamble on it way too aggressively. Uh, you spend way too much on your ticket and all the alcohol there. And then they lose. So it's a, it's a double L or like a quad L. And I took that loss on Friday. But other than that, it was pretty good. Mage, we almost hung out this week uh, for my birthday. I'm sorry that didn't happen. I want the people to know at home I wanted that to happen. But it just didn't. It didn't. Well, I wasn't going to bring it up. I mean, I am recovering from surgery. So you had to go ahead and open up another wound that's uh, closer to my heart. So I appreciate that, Tino. Thank you. I'm sorry. I meant it with love. I meant it with love. A lot of stuff Damn. happened, though. A lot, yeah, it, it was just, it, it was a good weekend. Uh, a lot of sports happened this weekend. Um, Murph, you know all about the sports that happened this weekend, right? Tons of things. Lots of news. Nothing. I forget. No? You, you forgot? I forget. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not what doing it. What are we going for here? Well, I mean, it's newsworthy. Oh, all the trades. <laughs> it is news now, we gotta talk football because our listeners don't like when we do this i said i wasn't gonna do it let's intro we're not, Murph, Murph, we're not even doing, doing anything not, let's, let's not talk about baseball let's not talk about baseball i just it was an elephant i feel like there was other shit though. well well tons of giants news we'll get to that mm. yeah. a little sleepy tonight boys i should i have no reason to be though you know why we put the pads on tomorrow, baby. Yeah, that'll put the pads up. on. Thursday night, we got football. Hall of Fame game already. This Thursday? Yes, sir. That's exciting. Cowboys, Steelers. And we got Fan Fest. Let's go. Well, and, right. and we have fans in the stands. With Well, yeah. I'm pretty sure that hints at the name Fan Fest. No, like on Thursday night is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what was newsworthy? I mean, this is football related, but uh, college football is turning into a super conference. So super teams are back. Super teams are back, guys. That's it. That's all I have for you. It's football related. Yeah, I saw, I saw it today, too. Florida so, State. They're all going to go. Clemson. Ohio State to go. Yeah. Texas is going. Oklahoma's going. It's already so fucking shot. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's so far down the, the super hill now, man. But hey, guess what, guys? You can follow us on Twitter at clapback underscore sports, which is now Murph's personal account. Follow us on Instagram at clapback underscore sports. Follow Tino at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. Wish him a happy belated birthday. Make sure you follow me at the mage underscore NFL. So where do you guys want to go from this? I mean, we're a little sluggish into the start here. I need Murph to get a fucking Red Bull or something because I can already feel it. He's going to be the anchor that drags down the show. So do we want to talk about sports news or we want to go into Giants or what? 
Well, so I got it. I, I got the perfect segue here. We're acting sluggish, almost like when you get full after a nice big dinner or a nice big meal. And you know who else was getting full this week, boys? Um, Mr. Kelvin fucking Benjamin. Looks like he got a little hungry in the in the cafeteria. He cut the line and uh, got an extra bowl of soup. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Listen, no. you got to eat when you got to eat. Kelvin Benjamin cut for stealing food from the Giants cafeteria and taking it home. Yeah. Got to eat. He didn't have a deal. Where's his guarantee money? <laughs> Biscuit Benjamin, man. I don't understand. The dudes had so many shots. So many shots. Fucking has to lose 15 pounds. Come three overweight, man. You're asking to lose a job. Well, Here, here's the thing that I took away from uh, who did the original article. Was it Zach Blatt that talked to him after the practice, Murph? I think, yeah, I think it was him and then Jordan, yeah. So the thing that I took away from this is he's not going to make it in the NFL. Based on the article, he likes to be baby, this, that, and the other thing, have his hand held. That's not going to work here in New York, and that's not going to work with Joe Judge. He was talking about not having a relationship with Joe Judge or Joe Judge not talking to him until he was signed, talking Giants put out a video showing Joe Judge interacting with Kelvin Benjamin three days before he was signed. So that was just inaccurate. But the one thing that I liked about this, though, out of all this and everything that he had to say, is Joe Judge told him once where he wanted him to be heading into training camp. Joe Judge isn't the type of ju- person or the type of coach that's going to repeat himself. He's going to say it once and once only. He's trying to raise men, not boys. So, I mean, my takeaway is also do your fucking job. I mean, simply, it's, it's, it's that easily put. He's going to tell you the one time, sure, but it's like, listen to the man. Like, so what happened from that article, what I read, is that he was even more concerned that Kelvin's coming here out of position to play tight end. And he says, well, if I lose that weight to what you want, I'm going to be built like a receiver again. And it's like, all right, well, you're not going to play receiver here. And if you're not going to gain the weight to play tight end here, Go home. That's it. All right. He has he has no fit. But I wanted to tie it into. I saw a video today of the defense and the coaches running too. It's like do your fucking job. That's like that's all I get out of Joe Judge. It's like it's simple. Like he's there to help the team win. When he says something, it's for the better of the team. And if it doesn't go that way, there's repercussions for Kelvin Benjamin. You lose your job, man. It's it's the shitty thing about sports, but it's facts. I mean, he deserved to lose his job. He was told something and he didn't listen. So, hey. It is what it is. I don't think it's no love loss. We we know that Kelvin Benjamin's you know off the wagon. He was like, never it, making the team, man. Yeah, his takes on team. Joe Judge saying that it's it was, he, he's blackballed now. He blackballed himself because I, you know, I mean we can be homers as much as we want, but Joe Judge is, seems to be well liked around the league so far. It's like I'm the like, opposite. Everything yeah. he said was the opposite. And so, also, like, dude, it's all about money for Kelvin. It's obvious. It's, he doesn't want to play football. If he wanted to play football, he wanted to come out and said, like, you know, I'm going to go relax and, you know, sit on the couch, whatever. But it's not about football with Kelvin. He wanted, he wanted the money. And at the end of the day, the GM was taking a shot on his, his first-round pick. The guy burned him, and the, he wasn't the coach's guy. He's never making a roster. I know we, we're excited and we like to speculate and talk about it. It would have been cool and stuff, but he would have never made it. I'm okay with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't really bat an eye. Well, so for the people at home that we talked before the show, I'm like, are we really going to get into Kelvin Benjamin? It's like I like for me, even this is a non-story. You know, like I know it's what we talk about, but it's like this happens every year. Like vets, older guys get asked to come to the team, and usually it doesn't work out. Like, but this is what it is. We uh we go onward and upward. Practice boys, pads tomorrow. Pads. Well, before we get into pads, though, um, coming back to the practicing, one thing that Joe Judge talked about um, in his uh, presser when he was hired was mimicking the blue-collar type of mentality around sur- surrounding the New Jersey, New York metropolitan area. And they kind of did that this week. They practiced in Newark. Uh only invited, I believe, were Newark High School football students or people from the area, uh, something to that nature. And Joe Judge talked about possibly bringing practice to the five boroughs. Murph, I know you had an opinion on this. No, oh, yeah, I just I think it's a real cool um, kind of thing that you know our boy Mr. Chris had, had mentioned. The league should pick it up. You know, it, it kind of seems like it's a good. It, it's. Every year goes by and they seem to be more closed off from a practice standpoint in the NFL, right? Like they want the media out. They want everybody out, fans as less as possible. But um, it just – it's not only giving back to the community, but it was cool to see Logan Ryan and Jabril out there too with their family. Um, these guys have haven't seen their family at a game in over a year. Logan Ryan's family's never came out and seen them. Well, that was something I heard one of the beat writers say that Joe Judge kind of hinted to. He said, look, if uh, Jabril goes over and greets, you know, 20 members of his family that's going to be here, just let him. Uh, You know, they were keeping the practice a little light, a little relaxed. Um, What have you guys really seen the most out of these practices that are kind of concerning you before we kind of get into a little bit? Um, I mean, is there anything that's sticking out from these practices that you're really walking away from? No concern. I actually just get encouraged by things on defense. So like we talked about it and we can reiterate it, but until the pads come on, the reason the emphasis is behind it, it's like, it's not real football until that happens. And in the NFL early on in training camp, even when they put on pads, it's still not even real football yet. They just get to be a little bit more physical. But what I love is our defense getting in there and shaking shit up. Like I I know like people want to be disappointed because of whatever with golly and like certain things we've seen with him and Danny early on. It's like, dude, they're getting reps. They're working shit out and they're going against, I mean, I saw today golly in the end zone getting deed up by a Dory Jackson. Good. I fucking want that to happen. Good. Thank you, man. And if you don't think sharp and I uh, sharpens iron, you're sadly mistaken. You think if uh, golly's got to go against Bradbury and a Dory Jackson every day at practice come game day, he isn't going to smoke whoever the Eagles or the Cowboys put on him. I mean, let's get real. So like, I know you want to knock a do- uh golly and Danny and whatever it may be. We're getting after it. That's that's what I get excited about. Our dudes are getting after it. D's working, and people who listen to this show, and when we talk, you know the defense is going to take us to the promised land. If anyone's going to do it, it's D. So that's what I look for, and we're fucking getting after it. It's always the D, Tino. Always the D. The bigger, the better. But before we get into that, though, uh, there were some injuries that happened at um, early on in camp. Uh, we did lose uh, Shane Lemieux. Uh, I, I I don't think we recorded before that, right? This is so. This is new news for the podcast, at least. 
So Shane Lemieux, it looks like that he kind of evaded the worst. Uh, it doesn't look like any major uh, knee damage or ligament damage. So he should be okay for the season. But the Giants did bring in some new players as well. On the offensive line, they brought in Joe Looney. Uh, on the offense, they brought in Alfred Morris and Damian Willis. And then for the defense, they brought in Todd Davis, the linebacker. Now, Murph, I'm going to throw this to you because you have a saying that you tend to repeat about Joe Judge and his roster. Oh, yeah. I mean, never content, man. He's he's always looking to burn and churn the, the, right, the bottom of that roster, man. Um, but you still, you know, out of all those guys you just mentioned, you didn't mention the guy I want the most. Yeah, man, I gave you the floor. What did you say? You said Looney, Davis. I talked about everybody that is currently a New York Giant. Oh, obviously, you got to be talking about KJ Wright since you put it out there that the Giants wish. are still him. I wish. I fucking wish for getting him. But I'll take Todd Davis, man. Honestly, that, that is a good feeling for us there because, first of all, Blake's still on the COVID list. He's still not full go. He'll probably be full go tomorrow, though, I would imagine. He's been out there on the sideline. But, um, dude, we got to add to the linebacker room both inside and outside. And adding a vet presence like Todd Davis is probably just what the doctor ordered right now there. Because, um, I mean, he's a good mentor for Carter Coughlin and Tay Crowder, but he, he's also going to get on the field. Honestly, Reggie Raglan might be in trouble there. That might be his position. That might be his spot. So, Todd Davis is definitely somebody I liked, especially playing in fantasy in IDP leagues. Todd Davis was someone I owned repeatedly because he is a tackling machine. But again, he he can get up, uh, make tackles. Uh, doesn't necessarily have the sideline to sideline presence. Coverage uh, isn't all that good as well. But I do like Todd Davis. I think he's an addition to this linebacking crew, not necessarily a depth piece. So I do like that signing. But Murph, you still haven't hinted. Or told the audience who you want. Well, I want Ryder, but you're you're hinting KJ. Well, I say KJ because you trolled the entire internet by saying that the Giants were signing KJ, right? So yeah, right. after we fans. after we we cut Benjamin, but we're not getting KJ, dude. I think yeah. we're out on that. I think we're out on that. But he's probably going back to Seattle. But honestly, the guy I want the most might be going to Seattle as well because they have some center problems out in. Uh, Seattle, but dude, I want this Austin Ryder kid, man. I really do. I really think this would be a good addition to our offensive line. And kind of like Davis, it's not just a depth piece. It's a guy that you're going to come in and, and probably play immediately. Um, I was talking to Bobby Skinner earlier about him, and he made a good point. If we are going to sign him, it's got to be for more than one year deal. Um, I mean, this guy, it, uh, Joe Looney's great, great, awesome, good depth. We need it, both guard and center position, but Austin Ryder is probably better than every single lineman we have. He's a nine-year pro. He started two Super Bowls. Let me ask you a question, though. I was told I'm crazy, but why would we sign Austin Ryder when we have Nick Gates? Because Nick Gates can play guard. What? Get <laughs> out of here. Where have we heard that before? Dude, oh, Tino. Tino, he's got to fucking blow his, his – his horn over here. No. Let him have the floor. He's got to toot his horn. No, it's it's no big deal. It's just like, it's just what it is, man. 
He's not a center. He's not a center. It's it's that's all it is. Oh, now Major's offended. Now, Look, Mason, if this out, I, we gotta give credit where credit's due. I'm just saying, Nick Gates was never a center. Okay, he helped us out, but last year he did not do enough to make them not feel like he was expendable to move the guard. And then the second there's an injury, dude. Basically, it, the mesh between the two was just nowhere good enough that you couldn't see an improvement. And honestly, I mean, just to bring up Looney, I don't know if he'll exactly play center. I mean, again, depth move, guard center type of piece. Um, but I'd love to see what we can do in the run game from the center position because, um, dude, especially in today's NFL, man, if you got a center who can move and you're down blocking with guards and you can kick out with a center, it's – it's, it's exciting. I just like, I think Nick Gates was solid for what he did, but it was very one dimensional at center, very straight forward. And uh, he's just better fit at guard. So, Hey, I don't need to toot my own horn too much. It's just <laughs> Nick Gates wasn't a center. That's all. I just don't. Not surprising. I love, let's get People. something straight here. We love Nick Gates. We do pro Nick, but Gates. Nick Gates can be upgraded. And I think a lot of giants fans struggle with that. He can be upgraded. We love his nasty streak, but, Nick Gates isn't a great center. Look, and just because you said that, I love Nick Gates' attitude. I love the way he presents himself, especially like with the nitty grittiness of this line. There is nothing wrong with a swing guard. There is no problem having a swing guard. Realistically, on a really fucking good team, Nick Gates is the guy you bring in early on running downs and you rotate linemen in. Like, he probably shouldn't naturally be a starter. I mean, in retrospect, because he's kind of like that the guy you bring off hockey who's the enforcer. He's the guy you want to get down and dirty, bash a little bit, kind of fuck it up in the run game. And this way it kind of pats it for your big bodies. Like I love his attitude. I love his aggression, but especially if we're rotating guards, adding this depth helps because we can kind of play with Nick Gates and do some things. All I'm saying is he's versatile, which helps. But at the same time, like, dude, you guys know how I feel. I don't even think linemen should be rotated. So if we're going that route, this was the way to go about it. This was the way to go about it. Before Tino hijacked the segment, I was telling people why they should tune into Clapback Sports because not only do we talk about the Giants, but we also have a sixth sense and we talk about premonitions here as well. So back in January, we've said this on the podcast numerous times, and uh, there was actually um, an article put out which kind of sparked this whole debate. We said here on the podcast that I thought – the Jonathan Harrison signing meant more than it did. I said that Jonathan Harrison would move to center and Nick Gates would be moved back to guard. There was an article that came out that said that Jonathan Harrison could possibly win the starting center position with Nick Gates moving back to guard. Since then, they've added versatility on this offense with Joe Looney, who can play both the guard and center position. So I agree with you, Tino, on that. I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for versatile players that they can mix and match. But I was told Nick Gates played center all last year that they weren't moving him. Turns out, Clapback Sports won everybody else zero so far, except for some people. I got to give Shane credit, too. Shane did also say the uh, same thing. Um, we so shit into it in existence, man. We did it with Marcus Golden. Look, now you're doing it with Harrison. Hot seat, though, could be like, I mean, we, we know the guard room. Everyone was on the hot seat anyways. But, like, it, depending on how crazy Lemieux's injury is, like, I mean, we talk about this all the time last year, how much we lucked out with the health on our offensive line. We already got one down. 
So this we're getting all these versatile numbers. It's like it's just gonna shake shit up, is all I'm saying. Like we're gonna plug and play. It's gonna be different. I could already tell the offensive line, the vibe around it this year is going to be different. Like Pert's gonna Pert's gonna get some opportunities places too. Like we have a lot of guys that need to get on the field and probably will because there's no way we're getting the same start. All right, let me ask you a question then, Tino, because I know Murph has been asking this question, so I'm gonna ask it for him. Why the fuck haven't we seen Zach Fulton? It's a great fucking question. It's a great. I don't know. I really don't know. Getting cut this week. Yeah. So I mean, I mean are, are, is that something that we should be concerned about? I mean, it's got Fulton. Everything from PFF grades says that he's probably a, one of our better offensive linemen. Now, granted, it's PFF. Um, it's they're the only ones that put out any sort of analysis or end-or grading when it comes to offensive linemen. But all everything PFF included, he's supposed to be one of our best offensive linemen. Why haven't It's got to be playbook, dude. I mean, because, like, think about it. The pieces add up. If you're going to bring in Looney, if you're going to bring a guy like Looney in who's an aging vet, Right. And you probably have to play him at center because he's getting up there. Larger guy too, over 300 pounds, probably got to play center. Cause he's not going to be that, that mobile. He knows the playbook. He knows what they got to do. So, I mean, when I see that move and I see guys like Fulton not getting reps, it's gotta be something like not like, it's gotta be X's and O's. Like, and, and you can tell it's like how Joe judge is if he's not getting it. I mean, dude, they, they gotta, they gotta keep getting guys in there. That's basically the gist. We got to keep getting guys in here. Because, like, offensive line is still an issue, dude. They're all replaceable in my fucking eyes, honestly. They they all, they all can be upgraded, you know? And then and yeah. everyone on our line can be upgraded. I just I feel like we're going to learn a lot tomorrow, man. Like, it's really hard to still, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier with, with these practices, it's really hard to judge anything without any contact. I mean, Kenny Wiggins can stand there at left guard as much as he wants, but that still, I mean, yeah. They put him in there, so that means a little something to me, but it also doesn't mean shit to me. I love that he you could said have been that. like he was the closest guy to Joe Judge when he turned around and said, go in there and take left card because they're just fucking throwing end zone fits to Kenny Galladay, and Kenny Galladay doesn't look electric per our beat reporters. Um, but I don't know, man. I think we're uh, – tomorrow, I'm still holding out hope. It's, it's like the offense. I'm still oh, holding out hope tomorrow. Before gonna, we move on. I, where do we see Nate Solder playing into his offensive line this year? Dude, he's probably going to start tomorrow at right tackle when we go into our first team offense in pads. Well, right now, because of Matt Pert, right? He's on the pup list. So, oh, yeah, um, after that. Do, you, do we think he's going to rotate with Matt Pert? Right now, he's our healthiest offensive tackle. I mean, no bullshit. He's Let's run with the lap again. No, fuck that. Our best line then would be moving Pert to guard. I'm sorry. It would be. Right now, as much as I just said, Gates probably is replaceable at center. I mean, with what we have, I mean, Looney could probably get some snaps there. Fine, whatever. If she wins the job, he wins the job. But honestly, if we had everyone healthy, like I still – I've told you guys from the beginning, I didn't trust our fucking guards. So if Lemieux's off the field longer and Pert could come back, put fucking Pert to guard. And so the right All right, so- I think this is the best thing possible for Lemieux because, in my opinion, Lemieux is another one of those Giants kids – that has been thrust into a role that he's not ready for. I agree this with might you. be the best possible thing for him. He will probably – like what I said to Gates, honestly, it probably plays more to Lemieux. So I want to retract and adjust it to Lemieux a little bit. Because when you think about it, he'd probably be the swing. He would be the swing guard. Question, though, Tino, based on something that you just said, because I said that it's a possibility I could see Nate Solder starting at left guard. And everybody has a problem – 
with it due to his height. Well, Matt Pert is no munchkin either. How tall is Matt Pert? Six foot seven. Well, but Soldier actually hasn't played guard though. No, he never played. He took very limited snaps in 2014 and 2016 at left guard. Interesting. I said very limited. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. From what I recall, like nothing. So. But he also said that he has a problem moving from the left side of the line to the right side of the line, muscle memory. So that's why I'm thinking putting him back on the left left side at guard, where also, too, he won't get beat by those outside pass rushers, which killed him as a tackle. He'd have to be in shape, dude. Like, I mean, I don't know. He's been out of the game for a year, so that's the issue. I oh, he's playing right now right tackle position. Here's the importance for guard. Like, if you don't have a guy whose feet are under him the right way, the entire play is fucked without the defense having to do anything. Like, it's just factual. If you, your guard can't get past that tackle, if he can't move when he's actually pulling and the play gets stopped behind the line of scrimmage just based on a defensive end thrusting your tackle back, it's shot. We can't afford to have Soldier there if he's flat-footed and just, like, not in football shape. You could kind of hide that at right tackle kind of hide it at right tackle even though that's a big position at guard our running game will not be existent if yeah but at tackle though i mean teams like washington where they have two outside pass rushes i mean we saw how bad he was at left tackle i don't think the mechanics get any better on the right side of the line especially something that he admitted he's uncomfortable playing i like matt pert there because his athleticism he can Matt Pert, if he misses a block or something, he can he can make up for it with his uh, with his athleticism. So do you think it's more likely then that you see Thomas have to start at right? Say Pert isn't ready for the season, Lemieux isn't ready for the season. Likely scenario: Thomas goes to right tackle, and you have to start Soldier at left because that's nope. where he has to play. Not a chance. Andrew Thomas is not coming out at left tackle. And actually, if we're talking about training camp, a lot of people have said that he's starting to look like a legit left tackle based on everything that they've seen. He's like um, one of four guys locked in on the offense, period. Yeah. Danny, I, I would Saquon, agree. him, and Kenny. At best, uh, Solter's probably a dead piece at this point, but I, you talked about putting Matt Pert at guard, who's six foot seven. Nate Solter's only one inch taller at six foot eight. So I was just curious about what the difference was there because I got a lot of heat for saying, you know, I could see Packer uh, or, um, Nate Solder playing left guard. Ice has nothing to do with it. His height has zero to do with it. It's more that he's been out of football a year. That concerns me. He's been out of football a year, hasn't really acclimated to this offense as much as he should have, and it's a completely different position for him. Like, him switching to left tackle to guard where he has, again, emphasis, very limited snaps, it's a risky, risky fucking play. Like, basically, if you want to do that, you have to get Solder to get serious reps in preseason. In my opinion, you have to. Like you, I, I think the offensive line has to get reps in general. I think the offensive line as a unit should probably play the most out of this fucking team in preseason. If I'm, but we right said that right. we said that on this podcast yeah. of anybody, the offensive line, I think should play all four quarters for three games. Oh, I, I don't see a problem with that, man. No, no. I mean, worried like, about injuries. Injuries are part of the game. It shit happens. I mean, we're down Shane Lemieux right now, and we haven't played a game yet, preseason or regular. So injury is a part of the game. It can happen at any time. I think that this offensive line needs a Joe. I agree with you. you know? And dude, and the thing is too, again, with Solder, it's like if you try to just thrust him in there, especially with lack of preseason, he's going to get hurt. I'd put my life savings that if you try to do that and treat Solder like a vet and give him limited snaps in preseason, he'll be hurt. He's going to get hurt this season, no doubt. 
you can't go from zero to 100. You can't. You just can't. It's football. It's the NFL. Doesn't work that way. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work that way. You can't just go in there week one after playing limited snaps in preseason, never playing a position, and just like, hey, I'm going to start at left guard just because. It's like, you can't do it. You're not going to last 17 games that way. I'm sorry. He, uh, he can play, but he's, he's going to get he's, he's going to get hurt. He has to get reps. He has to come. Yeah, he has to come back to earth. Because you saw it all last year with players. Every offensive line in the league got fucking killed last year because no preseason limited trading camp. Again, those four guys I just mentioned are probably the only guys that aren't going to play a lot of reps. And Shep. Add Shep onto that and Ingram probably too. Everybody else on the offense is probably going to play a ton. There was a picture today. They should. They better. In my opinion, they better. You said his name. There's a picture on Giants Instagram of Evan Ingram. Uh, there was that one play where everyone liked. He caught a play, you know ball that was one behind him. It was a great play. But he he's had, having a great game. He also had uh, another leap today, and it looks like a full-on plie. So I need to start screenshotting these. It won't take me long to find. It's just like I, I, I want to tie Ingram to this guy. I won't even be that negative. I know he's having a good camp. Cool. I need everyone to holster real quick what what they think about players when they get first team reps. I want you to realize on this team, it's going to happen. Like we'll get excited about Lyman. Just understand that when people get first team reps. It's because if you want to make the first team, you have to look good with the first team and get those reps. So it can mean there's competition, but it's going to happen with the receivers. It's going to, we're going to have some position battles. Let's, let's temper expectations is all. That's all I'm saying. We're going to have a lot of competition. There's going to be a lot of revolving doors, but the term getting reps with the ones, just bring the guns, holster them. Just, just keep it to your sides. It's a yeah, long, it's, like, it's going to be a long month. It's going to be a long month. Doesn't mean shit. And honestly, it means even less as, as camp goes on. I agree. Well, one common theme at a training camp, according to the beat writers, is that the offense has not looked good. Danny has not looked good. Danny and Kenny Galladay look out of sync. What are we doing? Are we making a big deal out of this or what? I mean, they practice mostly red zone uh, targets. I think uh, today they were doing a lot of fades and corner routes. Are we really making that much out of this right now or what? All I'm making out of it is Joe Judge is challenging his weakest unit on the team versus his strongest. It's the only thing I'm taking out of it. Okay, you wonder what I'm taking out of it. Why? You, so I love that you emphasize, yeah, mostly red zone. Because I know Jets practice looked all opened up. We're making plays. Zach Wilson, Elijah. Well, you got Zach Wilson making generational type passes. Okay, so. Generational talent. He's a generational talent. But to the Giants, real quick, the red zone. Okay, this is something like that happens all the time. In football, you got to see yourself score. And if you're on defense, we talk about this on the show all the time. The most important series are the red zone series. Just practicing in the red zone and running your best plays, that is where games are won or lost. So I'd like the fact that you're saying that Golly's just getting fade routes in, in the red zone. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's a very unsuccessful play. Like it's not a high percentage play, but you gotta run those. You gotta practice them to get used to it. We we suck in the red zone. <laughs> I, I if we could run every practice inside the 40, I fucking prefer that. Seriously. You know, if I'm not mistaken, 31st red zone offense, second. 
red zone scoring defense. And you're telling me the offense sucked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Against our defense. Okay. What? Like, was it surprising to anybody? Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, come on. They're gonna practice in the red zone. It's obviously an improvement. But even if it wasn't, you're gonna practice in the red zone when you don't have pads on. See yourself score touchdowns. That's the name of the game. Score fucking touchdowns. If we continue to kick field goals, we're still gonna lose by one. Like, it's gonna. We need to score touchdowns. Fuck. Fuck. God damn it, this offense, guys. I was leaving the floor open for Merck, uh, for Merck, 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 Mer, Sleepy Merck. But, um, no, I, I, guess, I, I mean, honestly, here's, here's my biggest issue with the way this doom and gloom type of reporting from training camp. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. That's what training camp is for, to knock that type of rust off. You talked about emphasizing things that they were poor at doing. Look, I'd rather them get it wrong in training camp. I'd rather them get it wrong in practice as opposed to getting it wrong in the game. It was something that they were poor at doing. 31st in scoring offense last year. I mean, I think it was the same in the red zone, 31st scoring red zone offense. I mean, this team sucks. Sucks. And not only that, there is still one element that people are forgetting. How different does a red zone defense look with Saquon Barkley on the field? When you're actually running the ball with pads on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, again. Like, it's going to look much different. The defense is going to scheme differently. Once you got number 26 on that field in that backfield. I, I mean, I, I'm not reading that much into it. The fact that they're not hitting fade in corner routes. I like that because then that means that our defense is going to be fucking tough to score on. So I'm cool with that. Danny comes out and has a real shitty day tomorrow and gets completely owned, then I'll be a little worried. But right now, red zone versus one of the best secondaries in the league. Just it's good practice, man. That's where you're supposed to make your mistakes. Danny throws such a beautiful football, man. He really does. I'm not worried about it. It's the, it's the other aspects of his game that I'm worried about. Can he sense pressure when the pocket is collapsing? Will he be able to make the right decision, you know, under duress? Those are the things I worry about, Danny. The fact that he's not connecting with Kenny Galladay on fade routes does not concern me right now. And if people want to point to his turnovers, fuck it, man. He reduced his turnovers last year in more games than he played in 2019. So he reduced his turnover rate. And also, we know, I, somebody else posted there earlier, what, he would have had no turnovers or no interceptions, uh, what, over a five-week period, I think it was, Murph, or something, if it wasn't for Evan Ingram? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're seven. you're on to it. Yep, Evan Ingram. I forget, I forget the statistic. I saved it. I saved it earlier. You're, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't remember. So, the week, so. Danny, as far as the turnovers go, I'm not even worried about the turnovers anymore. I'm not worried about the interceptions. I'm not worried about the fumbles. What I'm concerned with is that offensive line and his ability to sense pressure when it collapses. That's what I want to see the most out of Danny. Danny tends to throw a little bit behind receivers on crossing routes, stuff like that, that he can improve on. But for the most part, Danny throws a beautiful ball, and he only throws it where his wide receivers can get it. Look, he overthrew Kenny Galladay today. Guess what, guys? I hate to say it. 
I'd rather him overthrow a fucking receiver than underthrow it. You also underthrew Evan Ingram, but. <laughs> 178 pass attempts, first in the NFL, longest streak until Ingram. Yes, that's right. It was the longest streak in the NFL. I don't know when it was, but it was the week that the Bills played the Dolphins. That's all I can tell you. No, it was midweek. It was midseason. Like, it was over the streak. Well, yeah, the, the it looks like the Bills are 12-3, and three, so. Yeah. And if the streak was that long. Week 15? Week 16? Is that week 16? Well, it depends. Yeah, because the Dolphins are ten and five. So this is week sixteen. I saw it. Daniel Jones would have had zero interceptions from weeks eight through sixteen if it wasn't for Evan Ingram drops. That I'll give the person a shout out. That was courtesy of G Man two four four four. So wait, Evan Evan Ingram drops the ball. What? That's crazy, dude. Crazy. Yeah, Daniel Jones had his first interception in the last 178 pass attempts. It was at that point, it was the snaps the longest active streak in the NFL. So I do want to say too, Mage, I know a few weeks ago we came on here and you said we're gonna start talking about positive things about this offense. After we all collectively, I think they stated that we think this offense sucks. Everybody's still ready to burn Jason Garrett at the stakes. So. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm starting to, reg- the, the feelings are starting to come back. <laughs> I'm saying, it's starting to hurt again, and I'm so worried. I need, I need a sweet prince to be okay because I'm starting to fucking worry. If we can't run the ball, oh my god, uh, I'm so scared, guys. I'm so fucking worried. I'm not even gonna relax. Lie. We, I see us getting to 1920. I know I keep saying 21 points. We're going to get to 1920 just to cock tease me. Probably 20 just because it'll be the ultimate troll. Like 20. 1920 the year. We're going to go back to 1920? No, 1920 points a game. <laughs> points per game. Yeah. Relaxed, you know. It sounds like fucking Johnny, Mage. I'm trying to. Freaking out. Yeah, he does. He panic. Pushes the panic. Freaking out. You literally told me to be positive and then stated that this offense sucks. You're supposed to be the support. I didn't say the offense. You're supposed to give me reassurance, Mage. It's the opposite of it. Oh, I told you. I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. The whole doom and gloom from the beat writers that are there is, I mean, it's a little overblown. I'm not worried about it. Even Looking through the fucking fence with binoculars like 80 (laughs) fucking yards away, dude. Like, get the fuck out of here. What is it, Jordan Renan with the zoomed-in camera? I think think that's Saquon in the white over there. It's just insane. I can't take it serious until the pads are on and have, like, fucking media dudes or whoever. Whoever the hell wants to report it is right up there when we're getting live reporting. Because right now it's just... just nothing. Can we talk about this just for a second, though? It, does it just seem like every beat writer in New York has just suddenly gone doom and gloom? Because I, I, without mentioning names, I feel like there were some beat writers that we that we really liked that you know we thought were fair and honest, and now all of a sudden they're kind of feeding into that whole clickbait shit, and it's just like. I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. I don't see any positive reports out of camp. Um, I get it. They have to report. Uh, the offense doesn't look good. But, again, their opinion is subjective. It's not really, you know, it, it's not necessarily fact. So, um, I don't know. I mean, how are we feeling about the whole beat right I mean, This time last year, it was Joe Judge was making them run laps. Like, it's always something, man. Like, 
it's, it's almost like it's planned. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the talking heads went on TV to yell and said Joe Judge won't last. Um, so oh, yeah, I got I'm all the screenshots. That's when we uh, got our little donation. Again, I I know you guys all the time. I hope it's all negative because it just means things are on par for us and like we're kind of back to normal. <laughs> like this is this is actually what I'm used to as a Giant fan. This is about it's about accurate. That means we're actually better. <laughs> it means we're getting better. If we're not looking at upside anymore, that means we're one getting- thing to get shit on when you're like real bad, but when you're on the up and up and you're still getting shit on, that's cool, man. I'm cool with it. That's how the Giants always succeeded. Mm-hmm. But Murph, the Giants are not the most hated on team in the NFL. You know, I, I, I think hate was probably the wrong word for you to use. I I, think I, 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 I wrote in the bottom of it, I said, I should have said the most hated on. Well, it should have been disrespected. I think they're disrespected more than hated. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, but people on Twitter love eating that up and sub What do you think is the most hated on team, then? The most hated on? Like, I'll be the Patriots. Yeah, be the Patriots. Niners, yeah. Niners and Cowboys sometimes get some hate. Uh, Steelers get a lot of hate, too. Steelers and Cowboys get a lot of hate. People like, okay, I'm not going to put deserve the Cowboys it. Both in of them it. deserve it. The Cowboys are hated. They're not hated on. So, like, I'm taking that as, like, if you're hating on someone, you know what I mean? That means they're flossing and you're just still – you're just a hater. You're the player hater of the year. Like they You're talking be- about, like, slept on? Look, I, I think I, it's more Patriots-Steelers to what you said. Teams that are successful and have been successful and, like, every time you play them, it's just like, I can, like, we can do this. We can – like, okay, the Dodgers in baseball, they're the most hated on team for me. I'll say that we could be the Dodgers no matter what. They just got Scherzer and Trey Turner, and I'm still here. Like, we could beat them, when in reality, it's like, probably not. <laughs> like, you know. See, look, you know, the realization for me was living in New York and New Jersey was I went to the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl party, right? As Giants fans, you're rooting for the Patriots, aren't you? In my defense, I actually watched a game near Philly where I went to college. So by default, so I didn't get curb stomped by all the Eagles fans, I had to subjectively root for the Eagles at times. At times, I was mutual, I was gender neutral. Right, well, the entire game, I, was I just lost some respect for you. But the Super Bowl <laughs> party I'm at, if you're a Giants fan, you're rooting for the Patriots. You do not want the Eagles getting a Super Bowl. The fact that there were Giants fans rooting for the Eagles against the Patriots, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Patriots gave you two Super Bowls, and the Eagles are a division rival. So the fact that you had Giants fans rooting for the Eagles against the Patriots, I rest my case. Patriots, most hated team in the NFL. In my defense, I bet the over, which hit that game. Um, so I was rooting for points. I definitely wanted the Pats to win. It's not like I wanted the Eagles to get one, but I genuinely didn't give a fuck. I went to the Eagles parade, though. Uh, not the parade, the uh, when they destroyed their city that night and people were eating horse shit and everything. So I was glad I honestly got to be there for that. That was the cool part about it. That's kind of why I was like, all right, we can do this. Because, like, I knew f- the- no one in Philadelphia knows how to act. They're all a fucking disaster. I'm pretty sure I saw someone climb their town hall fence, which is gigantic. Why the hell were you I, it, Rowan is, like, maybe 15 minutes away. So you just went? 20 minutes away. Yeah, why not? Everyone's fucking blacked out. I knew it was going to be a disaster. There there were people just drinking in the streets. Everyone's fucking getting knocked out and shit. Cars are driving on sidewalks. Side to see. Side to see to watch a city get burned. So, yeah. New Yorkers would never do that. That's why I was there. New Yorkers would never fucking do that shit. So, stay classy, Philadelphia. Stay classy. I, I 
don't even know where to go from that story. Sorry. This is why I don't save these. This is why I don't tell these stories on the show, because I know you're going to judge me. Actually, you did have a story that you said that you were saving for the podcast. After you just, you know what? You judged me after this last one. I don't think I could say I'll save it for next week. I'm going to tell you now. No, we're getting to it by the end of the episode. But anyway, let's move on. So the defensive side of the, we talked about the offensive side of the ball. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. The DBs obviously are locked in. Murph, you talked about it. Uh, Tino talked about it. Adoree Jackson. James Bradbury going versus uh, Kenny Galladay. Iron sharpens iron. So what else are we worried about in terms of this defense? How do we feel about the edge position? I'm worried, man. Told you this morning. Um, Zoe's already down. X hasn't started. Um, and after that, it's just really Aziz, right? I know we got some some projects in uh, Ellerson and, and Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. Well, Ellerson's been unable to practice. So. Yeah, he hasn't even practiced yet. But, again, all three of those guys, I mean, I can't put much stock in those three, especially with Carter playing on the inside a little bit. But I don't know, man. Like, I kept saying that X-Man was probably not going to make the roster, but now I'm feeling like it's going to have to by default. Um, I guess you're gonna, you could consider a feedy and an edge rusher, but – Maybe more of a defensive end. But I, I'd like to see us bring someone in there, honestly. I don't know who that is. I don't know what kind of money that is or what. Um, obviously, a Chandler Jones trade is out of the question probably. But, yeah, I don't know. Edge scares me, man. Zoe's got to stay healthier. And if Zoe's not healthy, we, we, we kind of have a big hole there. Look, for um, me, it's easy honest- locked in, in my opinion. I mean – why, why? It's his job to lose. Honestly, for me, the Giants were the ninth best scoring defense last year. We saw Leonard Williams have a really good year, produce, uh, what was it, 10 and a half sacks, I believe. Anything that we get out of the edge position this year, I think is a bonus for the New York Giants. So I'm not really worried about the edge position. I think with what Patrick Graham can do, and again, man, I, I cannot say this enough. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to ride that Jabril Peppers train all the way until it leaves the station. I think we need to pay him. Do I want to pay him $18 million? No. Do, do I want to pay him over 10 I think he's worth it because of what he brings to this defense. Moving him in, being able to play him at outside the linebacker so that this way he can come off the edge on a blitz package. Moving him into that money backer position to play in the middle of the field in coverage. Having him at safety, I think he does so much for this team. I think he's a cog to Patrick Graham's defense. But coming back, there's, there's a lot of positive news coming out of training camp with Aziz um, Ojulari. I think that he's going to be in for a really good year. If we can get anything out of him with Leonard Williams, this and the other thing, it's an upgrade on this defense. As long as this defense is better than it was last year, which really hinges on that secondary, and we put a lot of assets into it, one thing also I didn't know about until today, Aaron Robinson, our DB, had core muscle surgery. I had no idea, but he should be back soon as well. I think that secondary allows the front seven to almost get pressure at will because of the coverage. I agree. I, I, I agree with you. But I'm not as worried about edge. 
I don't know. Like, I guess it's almost because of how like bad it's been in the past. I almost just feel like it can't get worse. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if that means it's going to be good or bad, but it's like, to, to be honest, for me, it's just like been our weakest position for years in. I mean, other than the offensive line. So it's like, I, I think we got to steal with Aziz. Everyone knows that. And I think it's going to naturally get better. Obviously, health is contingent on a lot of this and not putting too much pressure on Aziz as a rookie early on. But at the same time, you know, if the injuries come maybe midway through the season and then he takes over the workload, I think that could actually end up benefiting us because it gets him on the field, you know, sooner, whereas they'll probably want to take their time with him. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't feel as concerned about Edge, actually. All right. I'm going to assume that the Giants are going with 3-3-5 this year. Who are you two outside line Packers? Aziz and Zoe. Aziz and Zoe. Yeah. You know? I, I, I could see that. That's about right. I mean, I don't see why Zoe wouldn't start, though. You know? So it's, that would leave Ifede. He's going to play inside. Fetty's going to be, he's going to be the Swiss army knife for the inside when all the beef, you know, he's the broccoli to the beef beef's going to fuck him up early. And then if Fetty's good enough that he's going to be able to slip past those holes when those linemen are weak. That's what he's I not, think. He's not dropping any coverage. No, I think, I think he's going to, no, gonna but you could certainly use him as an edge rusher and blitz packages in three, three, five. Yeah, I think they will. I, I definitely think they will. So, all right. So my question is who's the depth behind Aziz and Carter then? Simon, as we know. That this is kind of where I was going with this is it it's it's very dry. I mean, I guess Cam Brown. Cam Brown. Like I really had high expectations for Ryan Anderson because of what we're kind of talking about right now. Is like as long as we have guys to to shuffle in and make plays, like that'll work. But we've dropped three bodies already, and that's kind of my point here. It's like so you're thinking Ryan Anderson doesn't make the team. He hasn't played yet, um, so I think it's probably an uphill battle for him, just like it is for X. But, again, like one of those guys might get lucky because. All right, so the way that I'm looking at it right now, honestly. and I'm, I can't answer your question. Uh, I'm going to put the positivity out there, all right, Tino? So if we're saying that OG Laurie and Carter are starting linebackers, our depth, the way that I'm looking at it, we're lining up with – Defede, Ohedebo, Ellison Smith, Cam Brown, and even Ryan Anderson. The problem that we had last year, the fact was that our defense spent too much time on the field. I think if you're looking at packages where Aziz and Carter are starting, if you got sub in Ellison Smith and let's say Defede, I think that's a good problem to have. Now, I agree with you. If Eddie can move from possibly, you know, a 4-3 base to a 3-3-5 or, or a 3-4 where he plays linebacker, I think he he's interchangeable in those parts. We've seen it with Minnesota. But I think this is a really good problem that the Giants have. So who do you think – so who do we think the front three are going to be, assuming 3-3-5 base? So it's Leo, Shelton, and Dexter? Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I, th- I think those three have to start. I don't – I don't see any way they don't in reality, especially not in that. Yeah, the only other the only way they don't is if Shelton is struggling on the outside a little bit. And that's the only way. Like if if they need more, let's put it this way. I, I think Shelton's better for the inside game. So if we're struggling at edge, you'd probably have to put some more speed or something where you can get creative with your design blitzes with your linebackers. 
So this way you create inside pressure. You know what I mean? You get someone to wrap around. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. You, you throw Dexter in the middle and you put BJ Hill in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also, yeah. Oh, I, shit, you throw Dexter in there and you put a Phoebe on the ground next to him. I think Cam Brown could be used a lot of ways too because I know he's getting Me bigger. Too, man. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't want to speculate. So I have no idea yet. I mean, I obviously feel great about him. I just like, for me, it's like last year, like it's crazy, man. Like, I feel like some of our defensive guys were getting going early on and then like they got hurt and like in step and like the Kyler Fackrells of the world and like they were doing great and the fucking, why can't I forget his name? What's the dude out of uh, LeBron's old high school? Why can't I remember his name? Nico uh, Lelos. Nico Lelos. That during that time, like we had those guys fill in and it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like we also didn't get to see our full, our defense at full form. And now we got new pieces. Like there's a lot to unlock. I think there's a lot to unlock. I think they're, they're going to do a lot of things. See, I think the one thing too, is everybody's kind of penciling in Dexter Lawrence as that defensive end position. I'm going to go out on limb saying this, but I really think that that guy can cause so much damage from the inside of the line, almost Aaron Donald like. He's so quick and so fucking big that I think he instantly improves our pass rush playing from inside as opposed to outside on the, on that defensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, I mean, it's going to be like a super hybrid three, three, five, but like, I mean, realistically, I mean, what I would love with this defense is having Shelton and Dex opposite sides, like AB gaps, and then let Leo play end and then use that outside linebacker on the other side and just like, I mean, I love a four-man front with this D. Like, I think a four-man front would be so fucking good for us, at least early downs. Like, I wanted, I wanted to get our it. skill guys. Yeah, but I, I would like to see that more than getting our – like, I know we love the safety at linebacker, but it's like you can get you can get bodied up and caught up bad by doing that. Well, I, I think, again, they're going to play different fronts based on their matchups. So I can certainly see them running a four or a four-three – or a four-man front against a team like maybe the Titans or somebody that's going to be a run-heavy type of offense. I think Denver they will s- one. Like, you'll probably see a Denver week one. I know Denver, like, everyone thinks they're going to throw the ball, and they probably will try to throw the ball. But, like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised seeing it week one. I wouldn't. Hey, I had somebody, I think it was on Twitter, saying, hey, if we're talking about <laughs> if we're talking about the secondary being as good as it is, why can't we say, you see a 4-2 front? Seriously. I mean, and man, everyone the fuck up. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the only problem is that you kind of get a little bit weaker on in that intermediate part of the defense. So especially if you had, got a guy like Teddy Bridgewater starting week one, that's probably where you want to bolster up your defense because Blake's not so good in coverage. If you got Todd Davis starting opposite to him, you know, you're going to be vulnerable in the intermediate especially passing. In, especially in play action, which we That's know when you put your Cam Browns and your Carters in the middle, man. Like a guy like Noah Fant would carve us up in that situation because our linebackers aren't keeping up with That's him. why you put those two in there because they're your quick linebackers. Mm-hmm. That's why, again, you you touched on it, but Cam Brown, man, perfect for a, a tight end for coverage. Well, so two, 4-2-5, I mean – Hey, you put that bigger uh, over Darius Williams, who's a bigger body defender. Aaron Robinson, who's a bigger body defender. I like that kid, man. They're going to man up against those tight ends in those types of situations. So I can still see it. 
and letting kind of Blake and Todd Davis maybe focus more on the run aspect. But you're going. My point is that you're going to see those different packages to what you alluded to, Tino. So you're going to see the four man fronts. You're going to see three man fronts against probably more pass heavy offenses. You're going to see you're going to see different fronts based on the game planning each week. So we talked about inside linebacker at this point. Who's that going to be opposite Blake? Blake's penciled in, or actually you could write him in a marker. So is it Todd Davis? Is it Carter Coughlin? Is it Tay Crowder? Tay, probably. still think they go with Tay, but Davis is going to play. Again, and again, Reggie Ragland's still there too. Um, I think they'd go Tay though. My thinking is – I can't see them them carrying Davis and Ragland though. So um, it's probably one of them. But I still think Tay starts. I mean, Tay is the plan, right? I mean, that's their guy. I don't know. Man, I loved Todd Davis when he was with Denver. Well, yeah, but like being realistic, Minnesota. Being realistic, though, like he's only on one year deal. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I I I hope it works like that too. Take because if Tay's an extra, that's great news for everyone. But um, I still think that Tay's probably plugged in there right now. But again, like like we just talked, very fluid, very very fluid. I got no no issues with a Todd Davis Blake Martinez starting tandem. No, I'm just excited to get to the games. The fact that you told me that the Hall of Fame game is just Thursday, man. Uh, it seems a little early though, first week of August, but I'm excited for it though. So I I want real football. I'm ready for football to be back. Uh, we're certainly going to be there week one for the Denver game, and I'll, I'll be at Fan Fest next week. Tino and I will be at FanFest next week. Ready next week. So on Monday for that live practice. But aside from that, pads are going on tomorrow, boys. So we think that we'll be able to find out a little more about this team, the direction that they're heading in. We'll find out in the upcoming weeks. Yes, sir. We're going to find out tomorrow. Um, Lace them up. Strap them up. Strap them up. There you go. Strap them on. There you go. I got another good one. I beat you to it. Beat you to it. <laughs> Strap them on. It doesn't, that's what Murphy usually says to his so. Correct. Murph, any final words or no? No. I'm ready for somebody to hit someone in the mouth tomorrow. I hope there's a fight. All right, cool. <laughs> I thought there was something else coming. When, no. when I think you're done, you're not. And then when I think you still got more to say, there's nothing else left to no, say. Nothing. So. I'm, I'm stoked. Real football starts tomorrow, man. All right. I think, again, we're going to find out a lot about this team tomorrow. So if you guys want to catch us, we'll be at FanFest next week, too, for anybody listening. If you want to meet up with us, just hit me up in the DMs. My DMs are open. We'll be available. Um, I'll probably be in Talking Lot G. Uh, talking lot G. Parking lot G. We're talking Giants uh, to start it off. And then uh, who knows where nights take us, but we're certainly be crushing a few beers. Ain't that right, Tino? Aye, aye, Captain. We will be. Absolutely. A blackout for all the fans. <laughs> That's going to wrap up this episode of Clapback Sports. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Peace and love, everyone.